Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. It's been a good month. We've been challenged each each week. <clears throat> My heart's been stirred. I've been thankful for Ken Fielder and his willingness to be here and his challenge. I think one of the best challenges on the Great Commission that I've heard, one of the most biblically based challenges uh, he presented to our church. And, and uh, I've thought about that often since he's been here and preached that message. And I've thought about this often, church, over this month and even closing today. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know the we call the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We know what the Great Commission is. Churches like ours put an emphasis um, often on missions. We hang flags. We support missionaries. We bring missionaries through. We uh, present them to our church. We have missions emphasis month or churches have missions conferences. And the reality is we, we know what we're supposed to do. And it doesn't matter how much we remind you. It doesn't matter how much we say. It's got to be, a, it's gotta be a, a determination you have in your heart that you're going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the gospel. And you are going to be obedient in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to your community and around this world. I'm so thankful that uh, you committed to take these Bibles that we gave out last week. And I hope that you took those. I hope that they're, they're given out and that you have, you have um, faithfully given the gospel this week by presenting someone with a new Testament and giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I enjoyed giving a few of them out myself and my wife and I and another couple sat at a restaurant. And as we gave the waitress a, a um, new Testament, I was able to take several minutes and just present to her. She was a student at BG and presented her the gospel and, um, she did not get saved, but the, the gospel was planted. She had never been to church. She says when she was a young child, she went to church. She thinks she can't remember the name of the church. She doesn't know anything about the church. And it was only on Christmas. Um, and uh, But as a young a teenager and then now a young adult, she does not attend church and had no idea, really. I would tell her a story in the Bible, and she really had no idea, never heard it, didn't have a Bible. And um, we're living in a generation that need the word of God and they need for us to present to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll be faithful. I hope you'll be faithful doing that. We put together, I believe it was just over 42,000 scriptures. Uh, John and Romans this past week. And so I want to thank you church for coming out. We had a great crowd out last Sunday evening and throughout the week, our school put those together Wednesday. We had a good crowd out at one o'clock and then again, uh, Wednesday evening, putting those scriptures together and they're on their way to Canada and folks there in Canada will receive those John and Romans. Their goal is to get a John and Romans into every home in the entire country of Canada. And they're well on their way to doing that. And we helped by putting 42,000 together and they'll be shipped out and mailed. And so thank you for your faithfulness in that project this past week. 
I come to this passage of scripture. We looked at it last week and Chapter 1 of verse number 17 was my text last week, and I want to read that again this week. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know that Lord, his plan, his original plan was not for Jonah to have to go to Nineveh this way. In chapter number 1, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amite, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But, that word but, changed everything in Jonah's life. God's plan was for Jonah to go to Nineveh and begin to preach that judgment was going to come. Preach that repent from their sin. The Bible says this city, great, great wickedness has come against God from this this city. And he sent Jonah to go to preach repentance to this city. God's plan was not judgment upon this city. His goal, his desire was for this city to repent of their sins and turn to God. That's what his, his, his hope for this city was. But if just like all of us today, uh, this generation, if they refuse the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they reject God's plan of salvation, judgment will come. Jonah, though, instead of going to Nineveh like God had asked him to, Jonah, the Bible says, rose up to flee into Tarshish. And I like how the Bible puts this, from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's whole desire was to get away from the call that God had on his life. In the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go, here Jonah is running from God, trying to get away from God. And Jonah finds this out, that even in the bottom of the ocean, in a whale, in a, in a large fish's belly, he still can't escape God. You know, Christian, it doesn't matter how much you resist what God has called you to do. It doesn't matter uh, uh, how much you are, 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 are running from God. You can't get away from the presence of God. God will find you. You can't run from God. Jonah here thinks he can run from the presence of God. He boards a ship and he goes down to Joppa. He gets a ship to Tarshish and they start on this journey. In verse number four, but the Lord sent a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea and lightened it of them. But Jonah was gone down in the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou? O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country and what people art thou? (laughs) What is your occupation? His occupation is supposed to be preacher of the gospel. His occupation is prophet. He's running from God. Here Nineveh sits lost. 
Nineveh sits where a great judgment from God is going to come upon this place because of their wickedness. And God calls this one that has the truth, that has the answer, and he's running from God. And now not only is Nineveh at risk of God's judgment, so are these others that are in this boat with Jonah. I mentioned this last week that our disobedience could be at a great cost to others. I'm not going to re-preach my message from last week, but I just want to remind you that that when we choose to disobey God, we we are at great cost, or great cost can come to those that are around us. I want to to say this to every parent in this room today. Stay in God's will. The last thing for your family that you need to be is out of God's will. Running from God. If God has called you to something, the best place, the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. It doesn't matter where you're at. I said to my wife just this this couple days ago, Yesterday, maybe it was. My son is overseas, and he told me a little bit ago, and and I don't believe he's going there now, but he told me a few months ago, he said, Dad, they're going to send me over to Syria. And and, uh, so I wasn't happy to hear about that, and I thank the Lord that they didn't send him there. He's still safe where he's at. And then this past week, I hear of things that are happening in Syria, and one of an American was killed there, and others were wounded there. And, and boy, my heart began to race, like any dad would. And I said to my wife last evening when we were sitting at dinner, and I said to her, I said, you know, I, I, uh, we we're talking about Jacob and talking about the things happening. She says, I don't even listen to the news. And I said to her, I listen to enough for both of us. <laughs> she says, I don't want to hear it. I just want him to get home. And I reminded her this, the safest place he can be is in the center of God's will. The safest place any of us can be is doing what God has called us to do. God does not give us a spirit of fear. God gives peace and God gives contentment and God gives joy when we choose to serve him. Even in the most dangerous of situations, the safest place that you and I can be is in the center of God's will for our life. The most dangerous place that we can be is doing what we want with our lives instead of what God wants with our lives. I hope that every parent in this room will take note of that. The safest place your family can be is you serving the Lord where God has called you to be. I thank God for him and his leading. You know, it was, it was here, I think of this often, if my family would have said, no, we're not going to, to follow God and, and move to Monclova, then, then my son never would have met his wife. My daughter, I think she's kind of serious with a fella. (laughs) You know where she met him? Right in this place. I've got a junior girl, so if there's any junior boys, I'd like to introduce you to a junior girl. (laughs) She's looking for a boy. You know, the most dangerous place you can be is out of God's will. Our disobedience is not only a, can be a great cost to others, our disobedience can be a great cost to ourselves. Jonah finds himself in the belly of a great fish. 
because he's running from God. In this very first chapter, I want you to think of all the tragedy that's taken place because one man has chosen to disobey God and run from God. Nineveh sits without a prophet. Nineveh is wicked in the sight of God and God is ready to judge his country, yet there's not one that's willing to go and tell. Nineveh sits at risk because the prophet that God has called is refusing to be obedient. I think often of this world that we're living in, and you would agree with me that this world is sick. This world is in darkness. This world is sits without Jesus Christ, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Every day we see the tragedy that's happening around this world, and God's people, God's people, his prophet, his people, his children that he has sent to go and preach the gospel are refusing to go. This world now sits in darkness. And they will suffer the wrath of God. Not only does Nineveh sit in darkness and sit, and sit on the just the verge of God's judgment, these mariners, these, their life is in jeopardy because Jonah has run from God. And now Jonah sits in the belly of a great fish because he's running from God. Oh, church, I hope that you would see the destruction that comes and the, the situations that we're finding different people in, in chapter number one of Jonah, all because Jonah chooses to run from God. And today I want us to, if you'd write this someplace in your notes, I want us to see this, the need, the need to preach the missionary message the need to preach the missionary message. In verse number 11 of chapter one, would you follow along with me? Then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was temptuous. And, and he said unto them, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, we, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. You know what's so interesting about this? Before, earlier in this passage of Scripture, when this great storm comes, these men are, are praying to their gods, little g here as it's described, they're, they're gods, and they're, they're trying to get a hold of their gods, but they can't, they can't get anywhere. The storm just keeps coming, their ship keeps getting beaten up, the waves keep hitting against it. Their life is still in fear. But at the end of this chapter, we find this, that they're now sacrificing and they're making vows to the Lord, the one true God. I want you to see in this passage of scripture, we find something that is a great missionary message. And that is this, Jonah cast into the sea so that others could be saved. This is a representation of what is going to come. 
There's several things that we would find in this book. And Jesus said of this, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish and the whale for three days, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. And that was Jesus saying, you know, just as Jonah was there, so will he be in the, in the earth and dead. And then three days later, he'll rise again. That Jesus is using that analogy, comparing it to himself as well. There's also something else in chapter number one that we can find, and that is this, that substitutionary death that's required, that a sacrifice needed to be made so that others could live. Jonah was sacrificed so that those that were there on that boat could live. When Jonah was sacrificed, the wrath of God ceased. So look with me again in verse number 15. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. You see, God's wrath was upon them. But when, when Jonah was cast there into that water, God's wrath ceased. The only thing that will satisfy God's wrath is the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. God's wrath is going to be poured out upon this world. And the only thing that is going to satisfy God's wrath, only those that are going to escape God's wrath are those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus Christ died in our place. Jesus Christ was placed on that cross. He, he suffered the wrath of God. He took our sin. He was beaten. He was shamed. On that cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He endured all of the anguish and all of the shame so that you and I could have everlasting life. That substitutionary death is what pleased God so that you and I could be redeemed back to him. A lamb had to die. Blood had to be shed. A sacrifice had to be made. Because if you and I tried to sacrifice ourselves or tried to pay our own sin debt, you and I are sinners and we are but, but filthy rags. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so now no matter what we try to do, no matter how much good we try, no, much, no matter how much we, we try to be religious, no matter how much we go to church, it doesn't matter if you've been baptized or not. What matters is this, has Jesus Christ paid your sin debts? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you turned from your sin and turned to Jesus Christ in the finished work on the cross? Jesus Christ is our substitutionary death. Jonah 2.10, if you'd go there with me in chapter 2, verse number 10, and the Lord spake unto this fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. He's there for three days. He's there for three days in the belly of this fish. And then he is vomited out. He's, 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 he's taken out of this fish and, and, and placed on the uh, dry ground. This is a type of the supernatural resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right here in this story of Jonah, we're finding this, that a, 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 someone had to die so that, so that others could live. And we also find this, that Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days is like the son of man in the belly of the earth. And he rose again. Here we find, we find the missionary message, the gospel message right here in the Old Testament is going to be a representation, a type of Jesus Christ dying so that you and I could live. 
rising again on the third day so that you and I could have everlasting life. He defeats hell. He defeats death by the resurrection on resurrection morning. We find this here, this type here in the book of Jonah. I want you to see here, the whole message of Jonah is a missionary message. The whole story of Jonah is God's wrath upon mankind unless man repents. All of it we see Jonah here is a representation of what's going to come with Jesus Christ being our substitutionary death, rising again on the third day. We see all of this, and this is the message that you and I are to share in our generation. It's the message of Jesus Christ that he, he lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. He gave his life so you and I could have everlasting life. He rose again on the third day. This is the message that we're to preach. This is the story that you and I are to tell. We need to tell of this message. And I've prayed often this week, God, how do we get a church that knows, that knows the message? How do we get them to tell? How do we get them to to go? How do we get people to care? You don't do it by browbeating them because it doesn't last. It's got to be because of a sincere love for our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's got to be because we've fallen in love with Jesus and we want the world to know what Jesus Christ has done for them. In church, we need to tell of a God of second chances. You know, what a wonderful story that we find in chapter one and chapter two of Jonah is this message of redemption. We find this message that God, the substitutionary death, this this, uh, resurrection, we find the message here in the book of Jonah. We find the missionary message, but we also need to tell that God is a God of second chances. Look with me in chapter number one or chapter number three, verse number one. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. And I know you've seen this passage of scripture before. One of the most gracious, loving, kind, encouraging verses, I believe that you will ever find in the Bibles, verse number one of chapter three. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. God's a God of second chances. If I asked those in this room here, how many of you have ever failed God? If you were honest, everybody would raise their hand. And and you know what Satan wants to do when you fail him? When you fail God, you know what Satan wants to do? Continue to remind you. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many in this room you've ever thought to yourself, I've I've failed. God's, God's had it with me. I I, I try and I fail. I I give up because I know God's going to give up on me. And isn't it, isn't it so interesting how Satan will just continue to remind you of all your failures, of all your mistakes, of all your sins. 
but it's not God. It's not, it's not, it's not God that reminds you of all those. It's God here that reminds us in verse number one that he's a, a God of second chances. You know, I thought some of us have sat at missions conferences or missions emphasis months or services throughout our life and we've committed something to God. Have you ever come to an altar like this and in tears you've committed something to the Lord and, and you, were, you were serious when you've done it and even when you walked away, you said, I'm going to do this that God has put on my heart to do and you did it even for a period of time and then life happens and circumstances take place and you find yourself back in the same place you were in. And sometimes that can be discouraging and sometimes that can be defeating. And sometimes Satan can just continue to get in there and tell you, you can't, you can't serve the Lord. You're not good enough to serve the Lord. And the reality is this, I'm not good enough to serve the Lord, but God is a God of second chances. And I'm so thankful I don't have to serve him in my strength and my might. I'm so thankful for the strength of Jesus Christ. And that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that God is a God of second chances. And if you're here today, and maybe there's been times in your life that you have stumbled, maybe even right now, you are not where you are supposed to be. Maybe the fire is gone in your life. Maybe you know what God has called you to do, and you just have not done it. And you sit defeated, and you sit discouraged, and Satan loves to remind you that you are discouraged, and he continues to help you in that task of being discouraged. I want you to be reminded here today that God is a God of second chances. And maybe you've run from God. Maybe God has called you and maybe you have surrendered and maybe it has died down. I want to remind you today that God is still calling you to the same task that he originally called you to. Not all of us obey God the first time. Not all of us surrender the first time. But you know what I'm so thankful for? That God's grace is sufficient for you and for me. God is a God of second chances. I'm so thankful of people like John Mark in Acts 15, 36. We find where John Mark, no, I'm not sure exactly what John Mark did, but he did something that, that Paul said, I, I don't want to take him on this next missionary journey. He left, he left before, and, and there was some kind of tension there, and, and Paul wasn't willing to give him a second chance, but there was a man named Barnabas that was willing to give John Mark a second chance, and John Mark began to serve the Lord once again, and, and later on in Paul's life, he said, Send John Mark to me. He's profitable for the ministry. I'm so thankful that, that in Christianity, God gives us a second chance. Now, that's not a license for us to sin. Paul says, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. We should not abuse God's grace. We should not take advantage of God's grace. But I'm simply saying to you today, if you failed, if you're not where God wants you to be, that God is still calling you, that God still can enable you, and God still wants you to be used of him. There's a world that needs to be reached. And there's too many Christians that have, 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 have failed in their calling or, or, or gotten lazy and sleeping in the bottom of a boat. And it's time for us to realize this, that God is a God of grace and God is a God of love and God is a God of, 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 of a second chance. And it's time for us to wake up and serve the Lord Jesus Christ once again. Because none of us sits in darkness.
And these mariners sit in darkness. And the world sits in darkness without Jesus Christ. And Christian, we need to rise up and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, you'll find stories throughout the Bible where the Bible character that we're reading of sins. I love the life of David, but you know, David didn't always do right. God's a God of second chances. You know, Abraham and Sarah were promised a child and Sarah laughs. Huh? I'm too old. I'm too old. And God is still a God of second chances. Maybe you've doubted your calling. Maybe you've doubted what God could do through you. God's a God of second chances. Peter denies Christ. He curses and says, I don't know who he is. Peter says to his fellow apostles, let's go fishing. And it seemed like Peter was done. It seemed like all of his surrender to the Lord was was done away with. It seemed like Peter was going to go back and and do what he was doing before. It seemed like he was just going to go back and be a a fisherman. And those three years or so were just going to be a part of his past. But God wasn't finished with Peter. And God's a God of second chances. And Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and preaches the salvation message of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 souls are saved. This is a fella that not long ago cursed and, and denied to a young lady. He even knew Jesus Christ. Now he stands and proudly, boldly proclaims at the temple who Jesus Christ is, that he is the son of God, that he came to redeem the world, that he is the Messiah, that he, is, he sacrificed himself, that he rose again on the third day, and that he offers salvation to all that will pay, put their faith and trust in him him. This is the same Peter that denied Christ. Now he's empowered by the spirit of God and God is using him. And God can do the same thing with you. Jonah here, the, he comes to the place, he comes to his senses there in the belly of that great fish. And God says, I'll give you a second chance. God not only gave Jonah a second chance, but he gave Nineveh a second chance as well. I can't express through words enough and adequately my passion and my desire for this world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't express to you enough church that we need to see churches started and revived around the greater Toledo area. I believe this so much yesterday I drove out to Bono. They, they're having a, a, uh, a wild game dinner the, sun, the Saturday after, and we use after the, um, Easter, and we're using this as an outreach in the community. And uh, I went out there yesterday. They were cutting meat. And so I thought I'd just go and, you know, cut a few strips of meat. I, I know how to do that. But they gave me this huge thing of, of ground bison and venison and pork. And he said, put your hands in there and just start mixing it. It was the weirdest thing I've ever done. 
You want me to do what? I put my hands in there. I said, this isn't too bad. And he poured four and a half cups of onions in there. I'm crying. And then he put 10 big heaping teaspoons of garlic in there. My hands still stink. I, I, I'm looking through Anita's desk this morning. I'm praying and I had my hands like this. I mean, I've, I've washed, I've, sh- I've showered three times. I've washed my hands till my skin is dry. I'm, I'm searching through her drawers just trying to find some girly <laughs> moisturizer for my hands so I don't stink this morning. Now I, now I smell like herbs and garlic <laughs> and onions. Why would someone do that? The last thing I want to do is sit and make 250 meatballs full of garlic and onions. Because I believe that there could be 125 guys that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God has spent my Saturday needing a manicure... We'll do it so the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out. God not only gave Jonah a second chance, so often we look at what God is going to do for us. And I think, church, it's time for us to get our eyes off ourselves and let's get our eyes on the need in this world. So often I look about what I have, what God's doing. Yet Nineveh sits in darkness. This world sits in darkness. All of the violence that's happening around our country. And we have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. Every major city in our country is experiencing crime and murder and rape and and violent crimes are up in, in just about every major city in our nation. In church, what we need to do instead of running from the problem, we've got to run to the problem. And the, and the way to resolve this is getting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do we spend the time? Why do we spend the finances? Why do we do what we do? Why do we, why do we take that message that will be preached this morning and put it on TV? Because some 35,000 people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do we put the messages? Why do, we, why do we have these men and these women that are working in the media ministry? Because people need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Well, when they told me all 50 states and in foreign countries that the message of Jesus Christ is going out, I thought to myself, church, let's keep serving Jesus. If it doesn't excite you that the message of the gospel is getting out to this world, then I don't know what is going to excite you. God is giving this world a second chance. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So often we say this, and I say this selfishly myself, God, I'm ready for you to come back. And you've said the same thing. This world is getting worse. All that means is Jesus is coming, and and I'm so excited about that. But that also means that those that are here are going to endure God's wrath. And if we truly believe in a heaven, then we also must believe that there's a hell. 
And if we believe that God is going to reward those with, with, and, and reconcile those back to him because of Jesus Christ, then we also believe that he's going to judge those that do not know Jesus Christ. And as wonderful it is that the trump of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and those that are alive are going to be caught up together with him in the air. What a wonderful thing that is. But do we realize that those left behind are going to have the wrath of God upon them? It's going to get so bad that they're going to cry out for the mountains to fall upon them. They're going to suffer death and destruction. They're going to go out into eternity, never with a second chance. You see, as long as you and I are here upon this earth, there is a second chance. But when we reach eternity, there is no second chance. We have the opportunity now. God is long-suffering. And in this generation, church, I believe with all the technology we have, with all the resources we have, there is no reason that we cannot reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. With all the resources that we have and all the technology that we have, there is no reason that we can't get into every home and, and, and hit every person with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's no reason that we can't tell every human being that Jesus Christ loves them, that Jesus Christ died for them, that if they do not trust Jesus Christ, they will experience the wrath of God. There's no reason why, unless we fall asleep. And we live life for us. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah, if you would, please. I just rounded first. I'm just kidding. We're coming home. Jeremiah 18. I want you to see this. I read this passage of scripture and I thought of our own nation. Jeremiah 18, verse number seven, and what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it and to pull it down and destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I have thought to do unto them. Verse number nine, in one instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Well, I've read that and I've read that and I've read that and I've read that and I've read that. I've thought of even our own nation. You know, it's into God's hands. He said, I, 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 can, I can bless any nation I want. I can, I can build up any nation I want. And, and I do believe that God blessed our nation and God has given us great blessings. But just like he's blessed it, he says, I can pluck it up as well. Just like I built it, I can tear it down. And what is the factor is if they do evil, if they, if they do evil in God's sight, Nineveh was a nation that obviously had the blessings of God. It was a great city. 
at one time had many blessings, but they turned from God. And God said to Jonah, I want you to go to that place. I want you to remind them of my blessings. I want you to remind them of my goodness. And I want you to remind them that they need to repent or judgment's going to come or I'm going to pluck it up. And God was willing to pluck up that nation. I want to remind you, Sodom and Gomorrah was the same city that God said, I'm going to pluck it up. And he did. He destroyed it with fire and brimstone. We've seen nations all over history where it seems like they have been mighty and it seems like they have been great and it seems like they have blessings upon them. And in a moment, God plucked them up. And church, don't think that our nation is any more special or any different. In a moment, God could pluck it up if it continues to do evil in God's sight. And how do we save a nation? We save a nation by God's children going out and proclaiming that God's judgment is going to come unless we repent. Every single one of us ought to be ambassadors in our city, in our town, in our neighborhoods, on our street, in our workplace, to our families, that God's judgment is going to come unless we repent. We cannot sit quiet any longer. We cannot just enjoy our life. And as long as our life is good, who cares what happens to the rest of this world? This world is sitting in darkness without Jesus Christ. And we must give light. We've got to get, we've got to be done with small things. And we've got to put our eyes on the big prize, the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We must put our eyes upon the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must put away our desires and our lusts and our fears and our lives and give our lives totally over to the one who died for us, the one who bought us. His name is Jesus. What God could do with a person that was wholly given to him. And what God could do with the church that was wholly given to him. What God could do with a family that was wholly given to him. We must preach repentance to our nation. We need churches to proclaim the gospel. We, we need churches. We need Bible preaching. We need gospel-centered churches. We need God's people to go. We need God's people to preach. We need God's people to tell that God is a God of grace, that God is a God of second chances, that God can redeem, that God can restore, that God can save. A God of second chances. A God that wants to redeem them, but they must repent. This week, this month, we have highlighted the word of God. We've highlighted ministries. We've highlighted uh, missionaries. We've highlighted local ministries. But church, we've got to, we've got to give ourselves We've got to be serious about trumpeting the gospel message until that last trumpet sounds. And I want to encourage our church 
to run to the battle. Some in this room need to be doing more. Not because I say you should do more. Because you don't answer to me. We need to do more because Jesus Christ is worthy. We need to do more with our talents. We need to do more with our finances. We need to do more with our time. There's a battle that's raging in Christian. It is not time for us to run from the battle. We must run to the battle. Let's make Jesus Christ known to all men. I so desperately want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we'll only hear it if we stay faithful till the very end. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.